I woke up this morning singing my blues away. Yesterday was rough, today is usually. Hmm. A little smoother, I dressed a little dapper, I felt a bit cooler, I looked a little happier. I'm trying to make it, sometimes I fake it. Put on a smile and do whatever they ask. I was hired to work, stop, I had to take out the trash. I ain't get mad, when I did it, next dollar, next day. Wake up, do it again, it's the American way. I ain't embarrassed to say, I'm working check to check. I'm robbing Peter for Paul, I'm paying debts with debts. Don't fret, we still living, uh, no need to make a fuss. And when the weekend comes, we still turning up. After I worked all week and barely earned enough to take my lady out for all the fancy stuff. So Saturdays we dance till Sundays come up. Creativity is required in many facets of our professional lives, but how do we improve it and harness it through sound? Welcome everyone to Bedroom Beethoven's episode 30 the podcast where I talk with the producers of such sound that promote creativity. And because they own bodies of work, you can talk to these figures. You can document and explain what you're learning to others. So this week I go through hour one through 10,000 with Grammy-nominated composer, musician, producer, artist, Kari Martin. Plenty of work with The Roots, Jill Scott, STS, and the like. It feels better on Sunday. Before we get into that, head on over to BedroomBeethovens.com, where you'll find all the episodes, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and if you're not tired of me, Patreon.com slash BedroomBeethovens, and support your boy. As we enter the 30th episode of this podcast, my hope is you like it, because the more I talk with these guys, the more I learn about myself and life. I am your host, Cello. And it's the Bedroom Beethoven Podcast. I know that you. Uh, I know that you're a Philly native, but your life actually began in, in California. So, what was that? Uh, what was that upbringing like? Like, are we talking like uh, L.A. hotbed of talent, or are we talking about like the <laughs> or the suburb? No. So, I was born in Bakersfield, California, and uh, that's that's per, per, you know that's like it's a small city, smaller city outside of Los Angeles. It's kind of not in the middle of nowhere. It's like you can pretty much pass through. Bakersfield to get to, you know, Oakland or San Francisco or to LA, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, you know, a lot of, I guess, transient type of, you know, movement through there. So I, I was, I lived there for only a short period of time until we moved to Georgia. Uh, our family was moved to Georgia, like around when I was three or four, but I would obviously come back to California to see family every summer. So most of my summers were, were here in California. And then, uh, you know, but I was raised, you know, went to school in Georgia. Oh, you, you want to know something crazy? And, and this is recent. I, I read a story that small businesses in Bakersfield are playing uh, ABBA on the loudspeakers based on customer feedback to discourage <laughs> panhandling and loitering. Does that, does that, does that sort of behavior wow. kind of surprise you when you're referencing Bakersfield? <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting town, man. It's, you know, it's like, it's it's things going on there and you know it's just 
it's just a weird, weird kind of place. You know what I'm saying? So that, yeah, I mean, that would, that wouldn't be outside of my, <laughs> not surprised. I was just like, all right, yeah, <laughs> do what you got to do, you know? Well, so what, what like made you move to the South where, you know, where your parents moving well, for mean, jobs? Okay. Or? Yeah, my, yeah, pretty much. I think, uh, I think, you know, at that time, I mean, I was born in 86, so, you know, LA wasn't looking too great. So I think Georgia looked a lot better. Also, my uncle, Taurus Mateen, he was like performing a lot down in the South in the jazz scene there, you know, and just kind of going up and down the East Coast. So I think that maybe, you know, made my dad seem like, think it was like a good place to go. You know what I'm saying? I think it was though, I mean, long term. Well, obviously long term, but uh, I think that was there, the reasoning just for just opportunity. And then he introduced you to the Philly scene. Yeah, later on, later on in life. Uh, it was like maybe like 16 or 17, maybe even earlier than that. Uh, it, was, uh, it was maybe like 14, 15. I remember being around, you know, the Philly scene, like 37,009, this band. And then this whole street was on uh, 23rd and St. Albans had like Mel Chaos Lewis on there, like... Crowded at the top, cause I'm on the tip, and that's as high up at the top as a brother could get. And how I do it make a lot of motherfuckers upset, but it's fine. Read Jizzle, and I'm back for mine. In case y'all getting tired of the same old shot, it was crazy. Scott Storch was living around that area at the time. That's where they recorded Six Cents. I remember that day when they when they shot that film there. So that that block, they were doing like you know parties back there in the back in the day where Questlove bought his house. So. Yeah, it was it was cool, man. It was really really good energy. Well, I think I think that there's like there's no mystery in life. I think any job, any passion in life, whether you're a painter, a poet, a musician, or a, or even a politician, I think being gifted alone is not enough. So sure, it's nice to be talented. You don't need to practice that much, but at some point. It's essential to put in some hard work if you want to build your foundations properly. Your dad came from that era. He's a gifted musician. You're a gifted musician. I bet he did not play around. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think early on he wanted definitely wanted me to play horn. Uh, I remember being really, you know, he being really kind of pushed in that direction. You know, he was like, yo, let's get this horns, horns right. I remember getting trombone and my brother was playing trumpet and he was on sax, you know. So that, that's the horn section right there, you know. So I think he always dreamt of us being in that that type of outfit, you know, but him and my mom split, you know, I still wanted to do music, but I just, uh, I was just influenced by just other teachers. So at that point, you know, I, I ran into this uh, woman named Ruth Einstein. She's an amazing cellist. Uh, she's, I think she's living in Minnesota right now, but at the time it was in Georgia, you know, she really influenced a lot of what I love about music, the the hard work, the practice that, you know, my dad's kind of instilled in me was easy to translate to her. And she, I think, really appreciated that. So when I came into, you know, the orchestra class, it was it was all work. You know, it wasn't really it wasn't messing around. <laughs> so, like, well, what were you doing for work when you first came to Philly? Uh, for work, I was working at this place called the Ritz Theater because Questlove's mom got me a job there. Oh, wow. That was fun, too, because I ran into some really awesome people, like real artistic people. 
that, you know, because it was like an art movie house. It wasn't like, I mean, I grew up in Georgia and it was like, we only saw the big films, you know what I'm saying? Terminator, blah, 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 you know, all those big films like that. So yeah, I was like, wow, what are these films? What What is this like material? I was like, because it's like, it's like, man, this is awesome. This is a different side of the film world. That place, I'm, I'm familiar with that place because it has historic value. Did you know that like Mark Cuban plans on buying it and merging it with his, the landmark theaters that he owns? Oh, wow. Didn't know that. Yeah, I was, I mean, I, I remember at the time where I got uh, fired, I was like, uh, <laughs> 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 they, were, they were moving in a different direction, I think, at that time anyway. So it was, it was and also me. So it was, it was all, it all worked out. <laughs> well, you know, I guess this is a broader distribution of film content because you have Netflix and Amazon. They're interested in buying the Ritz too, or, or theaters like this. I hate that theaters are going away in the same vein, like that. I keep my vinyl collection alive. Whether we're talking about movie theaters going away or physical music going away, no matter how you look at it, streaming services are the primary cause. And streaming is changing the way generations are experiencing film. Younger generations are more accustomed to Netflix and Amazon than they are to going to places like the Ritz. Do you now? Do you think that's bullshit, or do you attribute the cause to a decline in film quality, or people aren't buying music because there might only be one or two good songs on an album and that's it mm. it's hard to say i think you know i mean you're right the whole streaming yeah uh, landscape does make it more accessible for people to create and consume content i think i think it's i was always a person that wanted to be a part of some of some of the things that were happening on a you know larger level and not really being able to have that access you know, for what's happening right now to the landscape of streaming and music, I feel very liberated by the fact that there are so many pl- platforms. I don't agree with every platform's uh, method of, you know, whether it be royalties or, you know, even some of the things that they stand behind, but at least that they're there and it's not uh, like a monopoly that it, like it seemed, you know, before, before that. That's pretty much my feelings on that. Well, I know you dabble in like, you know, film composition. And when you hear about like Mike Shinoda from Lincoln Park doing the score for The Raid or Trent Reznor doing the score for The Social Network, like when we talk about even the legacy of like Curtis Mayfield, are we going to mention the soundtracks for Superfly and Trouble Man last? Probably. It's less remembered, but equally hip. Now, when thinking about like the history of musicians turned film composers, it should make total sense on paper. But for some reason... Hiring Hans Zimmer over Prince just makes more sense, even today. Does it does it just not translate well when composing for film? Like, do you have to pivot your skill set that maybe a lot of musicians don't have in their toolkits? Well, I mean, like, okay, so this probably like this year, I probably will complete six films this year. And then last year, maybe about five. And I think that makes it a little bit different from uh, just making music for yourself or another artist, like the record industry. I just think that there's certain emotional things that happen where you you have to be you have to have a little care on uh, how you approach it. You know, sometimes like say if I'm working on a documentary, that you know you can't have you know like if those you know, certain people have styles, right? And they you know might want to do a certain thing over you know, like some dialogue or action or styles play a big part in why certain musicians work better for films. And then if you don't want to change your style a little bit to fit the film, I don't think it works a lot of times. 
I think uh, people like Hans Zimmer, you know, do something completely different to a action scene than Prince would. You know, but he's been doing it for so long, and really because he's been doing it so long, he's created what the sound of what that is is. <laughs> so, uh, and others like him. You know, if you're going to go back to like Bernard Herrmann, and you know, and like it's you know, and then we can we can definitely get into it. But I think certain you know styles just work better for film, and just because of the history of what has been done, you know, and but that is kind of changing and. I think, you know, for like if you look at trailers, how trailers sound now from 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, even the people who like narrate them are changing, too. Yeah, I was about to say that. I don't hear like in a world. You don't hear that anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, it's it's it's, a, it's an interesting thing. It's like how I mean, yes, it's, it's changed. And then obviously the, these are all marketing tools you know, for getting people in the theater. You know, the music that you use is a marketing tool just as much as the actors, just as much as all that stuff. They they all play a huge role. In yeah, I'm glad you explained that because I was just thinking, like, you know, you take someone like Elton John who has a mixed relationship with film soundtracks. The Lion King was one of the biggest successes of his career. It went, like, diamond, but you never hear him talk about it. Or yeah. Eric Clapton did the soundtrack for Lethal Weapon. Nobody knows that, you know? It's, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, I'm not saying that a musician can't, like, you know, someone who's working primarily in the record industry can't do a sound, uh, movie score. Uh, I just think if you say you are a composer, then they're going to be like, all right, cool, you're a composer. If you say, like, I am a singer, you know, and a director is looking for a composer, they're probably not going to think of you first. They're going to think of, you know, someone that is a composer. So maybe people don't know that I do, you know, composing, or maybe they see me as an artist. But I think that's just a, a sign of the time, really, uh, about, you know, what you do, what you're good at. I think I, I keep saying this, I've been saying it for years, it's to whom it may concern, honestly, is the way that I have been dealing with a lot of stuff. Some people think I just mix, mix, mix engineer. Some people, you know, think I'm just a cello player or bass player or, you know, uh, I think if someone wants you, they're going to ask you if other than that, you know, it really doesn't matter. You know, <laughs> you know, someone's it's crazy trying to though, get it is, is if, if, if I spend five, 10 minutes Googling you, I know that's not the case. That's all yeah. it takes for someone is just to take 10 minutes to know not to put this guy in a box. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a little disheartening. <laughs> well, you know, it's like I said, it, you, you know, that if that's the only entry that you like, if that's the only thing that you want to do to know someone is to Google them, you, you know, you're probably, you know, you probably only get in 30 percent of what they really are. I think what you're doing right now is more valuable. What gave it away is like if I go to your SoundCloud, the tags for your music range from dance to EDM to rock to electronic to jazz and blues to hip hop R&B. It, it only took me 10 <laughs> seconds to realize like, whoa, yeah. th this guy is Prince with the instruments. <laughs> Man, I wouldn't say that, but <laughs> I've definitely stood right in front of Prince and just watched him play. I was like, man, that is why he is who he is. <laughs> man. Well, this this puts us, you're still not old enough to drink. You're working in Philly and you get your first placement at 19. What, what was that experience like? I mean, A, I was drinking. <laughs> no, legally. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> in Europe, 
perfectly legal. It was just oh, a, yeah. the states. No, it was it was a good time, man. Uh, it was it was a big shock because that like you know talking going back to the Ritz. That's the day that I found out that they were going to use some of you know the one of the songs or at least record one of the songs is the day I got fired. It was it was really cool. I was like I was walking. I was like I got fired from the Ritz, and then I started walking to the studio because that's what I did every time I got done with the the movie theater. And like I think Richard Nichols called me. He was like, "Yo, go to Sean G's office. They got something for you there." I was like, right, cool. and I was like, damn! <laughs> I was like, man, this is the best day and like weird up up and down that I've had in a long time. So that was cool. And I was it was a lot of work to get to that point for them to I think really just believe that I could do something for them. And you know, uh, it was it was real cool. It was a it was a good day. That's dope, man. And and you know the song. You know, that I think resonates with a lot of people better on a Sunday. I, I think a lot of people relate to it because it's blue collar music. I myself have indeed paid debt with debt. Hello, I'm an American. Yeah. But uh, with you and your music, you, you don't shy away from letting people know the lows of disappointment, the lows of defeat. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, like, you know, maybe just, you know, not artist to artist, but man to man. How do I take those moments to feel alive? Most people, they get into the fetal position. Maybe they sink into depression. But you, you invite challenges into your life. You embrace the hardships and you continue to take risks. So I guess what I'm asking, you know, what are we talking about here? Are we talking about relationship woes? Maybe there's a death in the family. What is an example of some low points that you're able to translate into the term that you use, braving? Well, damn, man. I mean, if you want to, it's just really, it's because I've been through pretty difficult relationship uh, situations that have, you know, had to be addressed. Uh, Yeah. And, and being in situations just making bad decisions uh, just kind of put me in a place where, you know, getting out of that and wanting to get out of it was the only motivator that, that really brought me to where I am now. And, and still learning though, too, man, because like living out in Cali, it's, it's hard too. it just never goes away. And understanding that it never goes away is I think the biggest, you know, thing that I live with, you know, it's just, there's no, like, (laughs) like, like you asked me, you know, how was that day? You know, I think right after I, I had that, you know, that situation and, and understanding that, damn, our, the Roots are about to use one of my songs. I think that the next thing that really came, like waved over me was like, damn, like, how do I do this again? I did it all for the money, Lord. It's what it seems. Well, in the world of night terrors, it's hard to dream. They hollering cash. You know, how do I get get to the next level how do i keep pushing and uh and that really brings you back to reality and that's pretty much all i do all the time no matter what i'm doing i definitely if something good happens i definitely go out and i hit it hard and I get up the next day and I'm back to reality. And the reality is that it's take a lot, it takes a lot of work to make sure that, you know, you're doing the things that you want to accomplish in life. And, you know, it's just, you can't really wait around too much. I'm, I'm glad that when you got fired from the Ritz, Quest wasn't like, man, you know, my mom went out on a lip for you. You made me look bad. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you, that's another thing too, you know, like some, some things don't fit, <laughs> you know. <laughs>
I don't even think he knew he knows that his mom did that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll keep we'll keep that between us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Why why highlight love and fear? Do they go hand in hand? Yeah, they do. I mean, come on, man. Like, don't you ever, have you ever been on a roller coaster? You love it. I have. But you fucking understand that that shit can break. <laughs> it's like that is it. Oh yeah. And those two things together. It, that's life to me. You know, that's that's what it what it really is. That's why you that's why you make certain decisions. That's why you don't make certain decisions. And that's that they go hand in hand. You know, I don't think many people look at you and they say thank you. I think people enjoy your music, and that is kind of the thanks that you get. But as someone who has constructed a lighthouse for others, we recognize it, we hear it. This podcast is my exploration into the potential. And if you weren't so outspoken about bucking the status quo, perhaps creatives like me wouldn't have pushed harder to make things happen. So I did want to thank you. Oh man, yeah, I really appreciate that. That's a that's a that's a huge compliment. You know, honestly, I think we all have to do our part to uh I, I forgot what video I was looking at but it was it was pretty much you know the the artists of the world the writers the creative people you know if we did not have this in the world like I just don't I don't see it really being that tight <laughs> just to make it simple I was like, you know like it's just it's just like wow like you know when something tragic happens you know there you know obviously there is a a need for being able to address what that what what making that situation better would be you know but then after after during in that whole period you know music and art and people talking about it and sharing it and 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 being being together that's what art does being a part of that is what i've really started to i remember when i first started i just wanted to be a dope producer <laughs> and it was like man i just want like, i want everybody to hear my stuff now i was like man i want to be a part of things that just make other people better no matter how small or big it is or what i what i can do to to help yeah are you are you familiar with uh a musician named yogi horton by any chance i'm not so yogi was a session drummer for luther vandross and look i I don't mean to be morbid here I'm, i'm very naive on the subject so let me own that before i proceed but you were a session drummer for the roots and you don't have to use yourself as an example but yogi horton was a very very successful session drummer for Luther Vandross. He came home one day, he went to his wife and said, I am so tired of being in this man's shadow. I can't take it anymore. And he jumped off a 17th floor window of of the hotel. And, and that was it. Now you don't have to use yourself as an example, but in this industry, do you see musicians who get jaded by not being in the spotlight? Like, ah, I'm just as talented as quest love. Why aren't I on stage? I can sing just as good as Janet Jackson. Why am I the backup singer? How does that parallel work? Because not everyone is as mature as you to, to be a sponge and to ask the right questions and learn. All right. I got to start here. I was so, wasn't really a session drummer for the roots more. So anything that I produced, I played drums on now. If it got to when it got to the point of where they, you know, where they would use who would you what would they use? Like, so I remember doing the the production for it, playing on, you know, doing all the music. If Quest wanted to play on it, he would play on it. If he didn't, then it would it would just be me staying on it. And I, uh, 
I want to make sure that's correct because I think he's one of the best drummers of all time. And uh, am I am I like demoting you when I say session drummer? I didn't mean any disrespect. No, it's not. It's not that. It was. I think being a session drummer is probably like being a session musician, and and then to call it the drummer, and then to say for the roots. You know, he is the drummer for the roots. More so, the production. Anything that I produced, I played drums on, and it was maybe only one song that he he redid the drums for. And I think that he, we both had a lot of respect for what the sound of the of the records were. You know, so sometimes he didn't really he didn't need to replay it. It just sounded good. You know, so the drums stayed what you know where they were. To to ask your answer your other question though about you know kind of being in the shadow, I think people. Do getting uh I mean for even for me like I I was working with the Roots for a bit you know we I, I think I was on three albums with them and for me it was it was it was great working with them but it was for me where I am now I just understood that I wanted to be giving to more giving to more people giving to to more situations being the star you're really not the star though. You know what I'm saying? Like when you're, you know, if you're a hit songwriter or blah, 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 you're not the star. Like the people, the people who are consuming it are honestly, the really is the, the one that's really benefiting from you. I mean, if you want to be, I mean, there's a lot of people at the very top that are probably really sad because they have to give so much. And, you know, to me, I always wanted to be a part of a lot of, other things, you know what I'm saying? Not just one one band, one idea, one song genre. I just wanted to be a part of the world. Uh, you know, some people, if they don't get to that point or if they never find that for themselves, I don't I don't they I don't think they ever really wanted it, you know, so to be a part of something else. And I, you know, I've definitely seen and been around some people that are like you know, they want to be the star, you know what I'm saying? And I was just like, all right, are you really the star? Is it, you know, or is it all the people around you making you that? Uh, my mom always said, it's like, Kari, you know, you, you go to, you go to a, a event, you know, and you say, if you walk in and something bad at the event happened and you're, you know, you're trying to get out of there and, you know, you walked in the bathroom and you looked at the janitor cleaning the bathroom and he was like, ah, you know, you said something stupid to him and there's something bad happening at that venue you think he's going to tell you how to get out of there or the the exit door <laughs> yeah. Or the yeah. so, yo there's there's people out there that you can't just walk around in life and be like yo this person is in the background or this person is the foreground it's like yo we are all on the same fucking ground doing all the same shit and helping each other do all the things that we want to do and so i it's very hard for me to see the world as like, oh, that's the star. Because when I look at a star, I look at like, all right, like I remember being going to a museum, right? And I'm looking at this painting and it's like, I'm not a painting, but it's like a sculpture. And I was like, yo, <laughs> I want to walk behind it because I want to see how it was built. It's like, all right, this thing is in front of me, but then what else is supporting it? You know, how is it, how is it made? How is it put together? And that's the part that people, I really forget. I think they really forget that. Really, really, really forget that. Yeah, I, I see that, you know, 10 years ago you worked with STS, 10 years ago you worked with yeah. Now. It's almost like a Martin Scorsese, Robert De Niro thing where you find people you gel with, you make sure that you stay a part of their life, you don't just farm beats oh, out yeah, to people, man. and you, you, you value those human relationships. For sure. I mean, that's, I think that's how you get good music. Yeah, it's a very big community of uh, great musicians out there, you know, 
And sometimes, you know, you just gel and the timing is right. A lot of times it's not that I don't want to work with more people or, or, or anything like that. It's just, you know, sometimes there's a great timing with, with certain things. And there's people that I haven't worked with in a long time that we just have great conversations with now that still uh, inspire the music that I make. And uh, even, even people that I, even people that I admired back in the day that I never worked with, I still like to listen to their music and glad that I didn't work with them now because I listen to it and, and just, I'm in, I'm so inspired because we haven't had any crossbreeding, you know, of like, oh, this is my style. This was your style. We put it together. They just kept budding into their own style. And I'm like now listening to it and, and being inspired again. And, you know, 10 years later, you know, or five or, or last year, you know, so. Yeah, that's a good way to, to put it. And then people who are like. Uh, I would I would consider you a multi instrumentalist, but a lot of people they prefer that analog sound that you get from recording live with live instruments. Mm-hmm. They sometimes view making albums yeah. as a means to an end. Like we have to create this just so we can have something to perform. I think that's great mm. because if you create an album, you can I, you can go back to the well. It doesn't have to be lazy. Yeah. Uh, would you say that you're more of a performance artist than a recording artist? Because that perfect example was you released the acoustic EP, reworking some of the own tunes, so you're able to get more material from one project. You know, add add a horn here, add a bandmate there. Yeah, yeah a lot of producers and musicians don't record like that anymore. That's really great. I, I think they do, but I think everyone, uh, a, a lot of people do but they want to put out the most maximizing product first, you know what I'm saying? And then they don't really go back to it because, you know, whatever, if they're working with a label or something like that. I mean, but most people, you know, most artists that, well, at least the ones that I know, you know, they're walking around like humming. You know, and they're like, that is like, that's the organic way, you know, in, in recording it like that. Yeah, it's it's amazing, you know, if you if you if you really want to do it. See, so I mean, I, there are plenty. I think you know, I there are plenty of artists out there. I think that 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 would like to do more experimental things, but because of certain pressures of like industry, I always say, you know, you could you could do anything you want, like musically, try anything you want. It's the it's the it's when you introduce money into it that is the that's pretty much the end of like end of where the freedom began <laughs> it's just like it's like all right i need to make some money then you're like all right cool here are these fucking boxes start putting stuff in it because that's what's about to happen you know and nothing wrong with that you know there's a lot of people that are trying to pull themselves out of poverty and you know and get themselves to where they need to be and i have no problem with that i'm just saying it's you know on the flip side of that then that means you enter all the things that you thought were free or being free like as a as a you know you can speak your own voice starts to slowly fade away. And, uh, and that's just a real, real reality when it comes to the music business. There's one thing wrong with it. There's one thing, uh, DJ Khaled who gets billed as a producer when all he does is guide projects on a mainstream level. And then well, isn't that production though. I mean, come on, man. Look, you gonna say that about Rick Rubin. Oh man, you, you got me on that one. But it's just you know, Rick Rubin though his, his choices are a little bit not so obvious because look, okay. look, I'll use, I'll use you got me, but let me use an example. Look, if I'm DJ Khaled, I'm gonna sit there in my room. I'm gonna be like, you know what? Post Malone goes on verse one. Justin Bieber gets the hook. Second mm-hmm. versus Rick Ross. I'll get a beat by Cool and Dre. I'll yell, "We the best!" and watch it go to number one on the charts. Well, so you're saying you're saying Rick Rubin is like a uh, college making a, a car, thinking about it, 
and, and DJ Khaled is Ford saying, all right, we're going to use this product from this manufacturer, blah, 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 blah. I mean, yeah. Is that I, not fair I, to say? That's very fair to say. And one, you know, and, and they're both successful, honestly. There's a lot of different ways to create. I think one can't really live without the other, honestly, because there is. All right. So do you know how much it costs to like like uh create like a radio station you know what i'm saying that can pump out you know or a tour bus or a venue or blah 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 so having one side of the industry you know kind of fund and trickle down certain technologies would you think if we stopped doing you know if we stopped making money back in the 60s of you know changing technologies of how people can get speakers into their you know without having a you know, a 60 foot console or tape machine that anybody right now would be able to make any music without a huge industry. I think there are some things that have to change over time, but the technology has gotten more people into music, understanding music. Now there's some things that have fallen to the wayside, but I think there's a, that's up to what I would call the historians to make sure that they keep in and play. I think, uh, you know, you know, Maybe there aren't as many people playing guitar and cello than there were years ago, but there are some, you know, and those people will become like the historians of like what that what that really means, you know, that feeling. And those people will still be able to exist. I mean, I did a I did a session with Post Malone a few years back, you know, and he wanted real cello. He didn't was like he wouldn't say like he didn't say like, yo, pull up the pull up the keyboard. And, you know, and then those people will just find that that love where they can yeah, I, I, and you know what? I, I like the cello because it's like the tuba where uh, personality and charisma are things that you can feel immediately when you see someone on stage. Uh, but it's it's one of those instruments. like, And it actually it feels a bit wrong that so many young cellists, they immediately want to be like soloists. I think like 98% of them want to be soloists. And first of all, like not everyone can do it. And I'm, I'm not talking about technical abilities because there are more and more talented young cellists every year or maybe not, but I'm talking about like the hidden part of the iceberg things. We don't talk about so much, which are with a musician, you got lonely loneliness. And I think you got like pressure. So what was your experience? Did you follow the path? Like, you know what, I'll be a soloist. And if I can't, maybe I'll do recitals. And if I can't do recitals then maybe <laughs> so on and so on, you know, what everything you- changed when I moved to Philly and started working in the, like working with the roots. I started using cello as the just ingredients as ingredients to the music that I was making, you know, using it as like, all right, maybe a little bit of cello here, learn bass, play some bass there, learn drums, throw that in there. And, uh, I had, when I first started, I loved playing with the whole orchestra, the whole orchestra together. And when it, every time we did all the solo stuff, I was, I was pretty good at it, you know, or, or working with like small groups, you know, where, there, you know, maybe there was like a cello flourish in there, but uh, it was more about the group play for me. You know, our orchestra, I went to Pebblebrook High School in Georgia and uh, and that orchestra was this just the sound of everyone playing together was just like, wow, this is like when it was working, it was like really working. And then that that's what I really loved. I didn't. Yeah. So I didn't really go to path of the soloist. Also, too, when I heard soloist, I was just like, wow, that. It will take a long time. 
<laughs> and I was like, ah, I don't know if I want to just do that, you know? And so nothing in my life has really been just one thing. And so it looked very daunting to me to look at one thing. It's like, because I know how, how long it would take. Some people say that the cello is the instrument that is closest to the human voice. Is that like a PR line? Or I mean, that- I've definitely heard it. I don't know. I mean, I, and then we could... You know, there's a lot of different voices out there. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know if there's six to seven billion cellos out there, but uh, no, yeah, I mean, it, def- it definitely has, it's definitely in that range, like from low to high, what a voice could do. And uh, there's a lot of people that can, you know, emulate and imitate, you know, especially since there are no like frets on it. So, you know, you can slide like the human voice does. And, you know, the piano is a very specific, you know, the note is perfect. You know, when you hit it, 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 it's played, produced the same way every time. And so the voice is not like that. It can, uh, you know, so microtonally you can do more, you know, than what you could do on a instrument that is, that has a set, you know, key response or, whatever guitar or you know obviously guitar you can bend and we're not going to get too technical with it but yeah the closest (laughs) all right well i'll accept that answer (laughs) well man look i I appreciate learning about your upbringing navigating through uh you know the 20s and just learning about your process man do do things always kind of follow the same formula like flip the sample then drums bass put some brass section a little horn bring the strings in throw some guitar if needed and then lay down some vocals, mix it, master it. Or you just, it's just kind of like you're a chef just adding ingredients to a stew. <laughs> I don't, I, try, I hope it's not like that. You know, no, nah, it feels very, every time I sit down, obviously there is no sound that come that comes out of the speaker. And then that's an opportunity for me to create a different experience for myself. I mean, every time I sit down to make a piece of music, I would like it to feel like a moment. And, uh, and so, because, yeah, I think Quincy Jones said it. He's like, if you don't, if you're not feeling chills, it's probably not that tight. <laughs> and so I'm looking for that. I'm chasing that. And that's probably the biggest reason I don't do drugs while I'm making music because you don't need to. <laughs> I don't need to. <laughs> and like, it's really the drug, honestly, the music is. So every, every piece of music that I listen to, every album, every record, there was, there's at least a few chill-inducing moments in there. Mm. Honestly, anything that I put out, I'm like, yo. Well, I know you're not going to put out anything subpar, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. I mean, like, that's, that, that's, the, that's, the, that's the big thing. I'm chasing those chills. And uh, I think also, too, it's, it's so funny because DJ Jazzy Jeff has kind of like the same chasing goosebumps. I don't know if you've uh, listened to any of those, those records that they're making at the uh, uh, playlist retreat, but it's, you know, it's that same concept where just, you just want to get something that's like, man, dang, that feels good. You know? So I've never had a moment where I've cried. I've heard, I've heard that that's like the, the Nirvana, the Mecca, but I've never listened to music and cried before. That's definitely, I've been there and it's, uh, it's it's really tight. <laughs> I, would, I, would, I would say that. Like, hopefully, I'll I mean, get there. Yeah, I mean, like, dude, it's not one of those things where it's like you're not even going to expect it. I'm, I'm gonna just tell you that right now. It's just you're just gonna be you're gonna be in it, and you're gonna be listening, and you're just, it's just gonna happen, and it's gonna it's gonna click. Well, it gives me something to chase. You know, I'm not going to stop listening to music. So don't chase it, man. (laughs) Just just be and create. And then if it happens, it happens, you know, like it's, it's cool though. 
Don't, man. Well, I, I wanted to give you the, the opportunity to uh, let people know about what, what you got coming on. I, I know you just released a project with STS. If you want to yeah. tell people where, where the yeah, yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, man. Just, you know, check that out on, uh, on on all things social and Spotify. I'm feeling like I'm feeling because I'm feeling I'm the best. And nothing less than. I'm feeling like I'm feeling because I'm feeling I'm the best. Yeah. And nothing less than. I'm feeling myself. Feeling myself, because I'm dealt, I deal on myself, I deal on myself, ain't give me no help, tighten my belt and my laces up, run with me tighten your aces up, try to tighten your faces up, not even the haters can't hate on us, they wait on us, debate on us, whether or not... And then, uh, the, you know, it's the spring collection, really, really great piece of work there. Keep a lookout on the films that I'm doing. I can't speak on all of them. If you just follow me on social media, you know, K-H-A-R-R-A-R-I, and just kind of keep up to date with that, the, I'll be telling everyone about that but I've, I've done some amazing been a part of some amazing work this year it's a great film so update that imdb page man yeah <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, hit me up on there. Check that out, and then uh, and then so after I get done with all these films, I'm gonna start writing another record. Uh, starting maybe after mid November, I'm gonna start recording here in California, and I'm gonna take two to three months to do that, and then that'll be coming out next year. Are you gonna be? Are you going to uh, Japan with the dedicate? I think it's the dedication yep. tour. Yep. Yep. Man. I'm going. I'm gonna be living vicariously through you, man. Enjoy, <laughs> I mean, enjoy the travel. Now, hopefully, we can do some shows here. Well, I know you. I, I'm near Austin. I know you were at Stubbs not too long ago, so uh, oh, it'll God, happen. Yeah, yeah, man. Oh man, like Austin, maybe like coming up next year. That'd be tight. I'll treat you to some barbecue, man. On me, right, please, you know, I and I love barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks, Kari, man. I'm, I'm humbled and honored for, you know, an hour of your time, man. And, uh, just, man, just thanks. Yeah, man. It's all good.